time was short. Said no pastor ever. Did you know that? <laughs> That's the title of our message series today. Well, good morning. good morning. So good to see all of you. If you're in person, if you're joining us online, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here at the church. And if you are a guest and I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love uh, just to be able to say thanks for joining us today. So I'll be through those doors after the service out in our fellowship hall where there's coffee. Some of you might not know that, but there's coffee. If you go this way, there's no coffee. If you go this way, there's lots and lots of free coffee. Um, but before we get into our message this morning, I do have to pause for a moment and go back to last Sunday. So uh, hear me out because I know that it was a very intense message. And the reason I know that it was a very intense message is because I got an unprecedented amount of emails in fact, I received so many emails that I literally could not respond to all of them. And so I had to make a decision to either write this Sunday's message or try to get to all the emails that came in. And so I didn't respond to your email. I apologize. Um, we know that talking uh, on such a thing as abortion and Prop 3 and what's happening here in a couple weeks in our state can elicit a lot of feelings and emotions. Um, those of you that wrote emails and you said one of two things or both where you thought and said and disagreed with me actually even saying anything from the pulpit or that you have um, a different opinion on what we would believe here at Shepherd's Gate, I want to thank you for your emails. I did get to all of those and I want to have continuing ongoing dialogue because what can happen is people will be like, okay, I'm done. I heard something I didn't like. I'm out and then you leave. And we don't want that to happen. So just so you know, I have an open door policy. I will meet with anyone at any time at any place. Did you know that? So if you want to meet, you want to talk through some of this stuff, I would love the opportunity to be able to do that. Now, if you weren't here last week, please go on and watch the sermon. Um, if you didn't get the email that my wife Lisa and I put out last week, I would encourage you to watch that as well. It's a short video, but it does go into more detail about what we are facing here in a couple weeks. So, does that sound good? Because just so you know, I'm a middle child, okay? And you know middle children are known to be peacekeepers, all right? But more importantly, I want Jesus to be first and foremost in your life, and I want to do everything I can to connect you to him and, and what it is that he can do for you. Does that sound good? All right, so you pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you once again uh, for today. Thank you for the opportunity to, to walk through your word and uh, God, even though sometimes things can be difficult and uh, we grapple with things here on this earth, we know that you are God, that you are on your throne, and that, God, you are leading and guiding us. So once again, we just ask for your blessing upon our time together this morning. In your name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we are on week five, and we've made it up uh, to the last chapter of Second Peter, and so I would invite you to uh, grab one of the chair Bibles if you want to follow along, if you're watching online. You can get up from your couch, go grab your Bible, come back to your seat. And uh, if you brought your own Bible, awesome. We love it when people bring their own Bible so that they can underline and highlight uh, the passages that we're going through. And so for the last four weeks, we have been going through the first two chapters of Second Peter, which is his second letter to the churches that he had influenced when he was on this earth. And Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. He's, he's just an incredible a man, and he knew that his time was coming to an end. He knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. And so in this final letter, now we've gotten to the final chapter, you're going to hear the final words of what he would want you to know to be able to survive on this planet, and not just survive, but to thrive. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would encourage you to take one home with you today. We love giving these out uh, to anyone that comes uh, through our doors. We've got tons of them, so please uh, don't hesitate. Take one home with you. So as we get started today, uh, as we think about Peter, now think about this. This is basically Peter now on his deathbed. I mean, some of you, you've been in these precious moments with loved ones where you lean in one last time, where you're able to hear just final words of someone that's going to depart this earth. And so we think about Peter in this moment and being under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because even more than Peter speaking to us, it's God that is speaking to us. What is it that you would communicate to our hearts and our lives today? And for some reason, it made me think of this question, what are we actually living for? You ever just ask yourself that? Or you just wake up and whatever's on the agenda, you do. Or whatever's in your calendar, you just do. I mean, at the end of the day, what are we actually living for? And then as I read 2 Peter chapter 3, I thought to myself, maybe that's the wrong question. What if we asked ourselves this instead? What are we ultimately dying for? You ever ask yourself that? You ever wake up and think this might be the last day that you have on this earth? And what if you did? What if you were like Peter and you knew that you were going to die and this was your last day? I would hope that you would be in church. Say, of course. You wouldn't be like, I got to get one more golf game in. <laughs> got to go on my boat one last time. I'll even unwinterize it and put it back in Lake St. Clair and get one more ride in, right? I mean, what would you do if this was your land? What, what are we really truly doing with the time that God has given us on this earth? And Peter, I believe, is going to answer that for us today. So he starts off in chapter 3, verse 1, saying this. This is now the second letter, so that's why we have First and Second Peter. I'm writing to you, and all of a sudden we're going to be introduced to this new word, beloved. And he waits till chapter 3 to use this word. And you're going to see he uses it over and over and over again because this is the heart of a father. This is the heart of someone that wants to pull you in, that wants you to hear these final words and wants to make an impact in your life. Beloved, I am saying these things because I want to stir something up within you. I want you to remember who you are in Christ. I want you to remember what it is that God has done for you. And so you hear this heartbeat, you hear this final plea from Peter. And he says, here's the first thing. Remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Or remember the prophecies that are in the Old Testament. So just like last week, he goes back and validates the Old Testament. And this is why we have to be people of the Bible. The whole Bible, not just the New Testament. Do you know how easy it is to only preach the New Testament? Just preach the same thing over and over again. No, it's a lot of work to preach the Old Testament because there's a lot of history, there's a lot of context, there's a lot of things uh, that, that the Old Testament covers. And he tells the congregation, the New Testament congregation, don't forget the books that are in the Old Testament. Don't forget the promises and all that God did in through them. And oh, by the way, also remember the commandments that Jesus gave us when he walked this earth. And these commandments he actually gave us as an apostle. Peter's one of the apostles, and now Peter now is handing these commandments down to them. Why should we keep God's commandments? 
because God says so? Or because God knows what's best for us? And so he gives us these guardrails. He gives us these guidelines. He gives us these laws for our own benefit, for our own good. They're a gift from God. God's commandments are not negative. They're positive. They're a gift to you and to me. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. Now, you remember what he talked about last week? Remember he talked about false teachers and false prophets? Now he's going after the scoffers. And this is what scoffers do. They what? I kind of like that. I don't know why. And they also, these aren't Jesus followers. These aren't people that believe in, in the one true God. They follow their own sinful desires. And he'll even tell you what they will say. So he's saying to the church, now imagine at this time, it's so new. I mean, the church is really just starting to be launched, yet it's no different for us. This is what they're going to say. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the Father fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Where's your God? You believe in God, where is he? Why doesn't he show up? Why does he allow so much pain and suffering on this earth? Why do innocent people have to go through the things that they have to go through? Why over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, innocent lives are lost? There's no God. It's all just made up in your head. You come on Sunday morning because it makes you feel good about yourself. I mean, isn't that what a scoffer does? Do you have any scoffers in your life? You got any scoffers that are coming to Thanksgiving? <laughs> I mean, it's only a few weeks away. Any scoffers at work? Any scoffers in the gym? Any scoffers in your neighborhood? It's amazing the hostility that's happened in probably, I would say, the last 10 to 15 years toward Christians. Which means, folks, and you need to prepare yourself for this, you need to prepare your kids for this, because most people would tell you that we are going to enter a time of persecution. That maybe the church in America has had it too easy for too long, and we've got a little bit comfortable. And now, you know, the whole little COVID thing that happened, and post-COVID, and 2022, and 2023, and our whole world's all wonky, and people are still looking at each other weird, and people are still cutting each other off in traffic, and people are still just living their you know, selfish lives, and we all go, wait a second here. God, what are you up to? God, where are you at work in our world? You know, pastors get really excited when persecution comes to the church. You know why? Because we've had to study church history. And when you study church history, you find out that the greatest movements of growth in the church are in times of what? Isn't that interesting? 
doesn't that just make, make you scratch your head and go, wait a second, why can't it be during a time of peace? Why can't it be when the economy is great and interest you know, rates on homes are so low and inflation it doesn't exist and Democrats and Republicans are all getting along and everybody's so happy-lucky and everything's just so great on the planet. Why doesn't the church growing during that time? Why does it usually take difficult periods of history to awaken us and awaken those around us and shake off all the other things that we've kind of attached to ourselves, the things that we've put more value in than in our relationship with the Lord, which is what you're going to continue to see Peter unfold. This is what he says about scoffers. They deliberately overlook this fact. This is how they'll attack you. That the heavens existed long ago, evolution, Big Bang Theory, whatever you want to believe, and that the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was flooded with water and perished. Now this is wordy because it's in the ESV. But what he's saying is he's going back to the Old Testament again. He's going back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and he's saying to the church, don't forget, none of this existed until God spoke it into existence. This is not a product of evolution. This is not a product of the Big Bang Theory. It's Almighty God. Peter is validating the account in Scripture. And oh, by the way, the same word, the heavens and earth that are exist, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Whoa, wait a second. Peter, where are you going with this? He's going to get into it in a moment. It says, do not overlook this one fact, beloved. I love you, church. Listen to this. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. See, sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we get impatient. Sometimes we begin to lose hope or faith that God's actually going to keep his promise and come back. And so the more we live on this earth, the more we sink into our own sinful desires, the more we get used to the things of this world, the less our attention becomes upon what is the life to come and what we would describe as keeping an eternal perspective. And I know, because sometimes it is frustrating. I cry out to God. I get angry at times. I'm like, come on, God. You should just come back. Like, I, I look up to the sky, and I just say, you know, it's been long enough. 2,000 years, that's a good run, don't you think? <laughs> 2,000 years since the cross. I think, you, I mean, the, the population, it's huge, it's massive. I think you should come back now. And we get impatient with God, don't we? And Peter says, oh, by the way, I know you're counting in your system, but just so you know, this is how God counts things. That 1,000 years equals one day. And God's up in heaven going, I, this is only my second day. <laughs> For all you know, you've got thousands of days left. Nobody knows. But I can tell you this. The psalmist put it so beautifully this way. That is better in one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. That we just really, truly don't comprehend the magnitude and the majesty 
of eternity and living with our Lord and Savior forever and ever and ever and ever. Because keep this in mind, whenever you have that thought and whatever that urge is creeping up in you to get, to get upset with God or to get angry with God because he's maybe not answering your prayer or things aren't going in your life the way that you thought or you just think the answer is, God, just come back because if you come back, then everything's going to be solved in a moment's time. This is what he says. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Like, I get how you're keeping track. I understand the struggle that you're going through. He hasn't screwed up. He didn't get his calendar wrong. He knows what he's doing. And not only does he know what he's doing, but he's patient toward you. Aren't you so grateful that God is patient with you? How many of you, God, had to be patient with you this week? How many, God, has already been patient with you today? you lose your temper Did you say something you shouldn't Did you have an evil thought someone aggravating you in your life and so you say or you think something negative about that person isn't it amazing how much God loves us calls us beloved but how patient he actually is with us and if he's so incredibly patient with us, maybe we just got to be a little patient with him. Amen? Because this is why he's patient. Here is the answer to why he hasn't come back. Because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of him and be called a child of God and to inherit eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So apparently there's still more people on this planet that need to come to know Jesus. I mean, we kind of got a couple options here, don't we? I mean, we can kind of just like go build something north of here and create a, you know, community in the woods and just wait for Jesus to come back. Or we can be about the Father's business in our vocations and in our neighborhoods and our places that he has already given us and given us influence. Because maybe there's a coworker that God is going to use you to bring from death to life. Maybe there is a family member at that Thanksgiving table that has been a mocker for 30, 40, 50 years. And if it was up to you, you wouldn't invite them. And maybe this is the year that something clicks in their heart. Because you were willing to be patient with them as God has been patient with you. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. You guys all a little tired from the Michigan-Michigan State game last night? Is that what's going on? I want you to know I emailed both those schools and I said never ever have a game uh, on a Saturday night before Sunday church. Those games should be played at noon or at three, amen? <laughs> Some of you are watching online and you know because you're wearing your Michigan State University of Michigan pajamas because <laughs> you stayed out a little late last night. God still loves you.
Look at this. It says, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. So when Jesus gets the nod from God the Father, we're all just going to be going about our days. We're not going to know. I mean, sure, we can watch the signs of the times. We can see as things are unfolding. But nobody knows. Do you, a thief does not call you before he breaks into your house, okay? Thieves don't, you know, let you know when they're about to, you know, steal your car. I mean, it's the same concept. He's going to come, and all of a sudden, it's going to be, he's going to be here, and the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve. See this theme he keeps repeating? The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So if you don't know, this is how it actually all ends. When Jesus comes back, he actually destroys all of earth and he actually destroys all of heaven. So everything that he has created, because he's the creator, he destroys. The only thing not destroyed in all that is our souls. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about that in view of how we live our lives and what we spend our money on and the material possessions that we gather around us. Some of you, you have homes, correct? Or you have an apartment or a condo. Some of you, God has blessed you with multiple homes. Maybe you've got a summer cottage. Maybe you've got a place, some place warm where you get to escape the winter months. Maybe you're like me and you got a camper. <laughs> Two homes. My camper's nicer than what those kids in, in Durban, South Africa have. Think about the cars that are in your driveway. Think about the recreational vehicles that maybe God has blessed you with. I want you to think about this for a moment. All your material possessions will be burned up in the fire. Do we live like that? No. Those of you that God has blessed with more possessions, do you know what that means? All you've done is given God more kindling when the time comes. You got a bigger house, you're helping God build this fire. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, my son came home from school and said uh, that they were going to do something special in his class called Heritage Day. And so he was looking for something in our home. He needed a relic from, from something that's been passed down into our family. So Lisa said, do you have any relics from your family? I'm like, I don't think I have anything that has been passed down through the generations. Relics are kind of cool, aren't they? Some of you, you have things that are, that are meaningful, that are significant to your family. Also made me think of this a couple years ago. I had the privilege of attending my aunt's funeral. Now my mom is one of seven kids, and uh, this was her aunt, who was one of, I believe, 11 kids, and her aunt was a Catholic nun. And so we went out and we went to the funeral and there's a retired priest that had done the funeral and they had the nuns there and the, the um, graveside was right there at, at the place the funeral service was held. And afterwards they had the family come back 
into the, into the uh, facility, and they handed us a box, and they said, here, here is your aunt's uh, contents. And I was like, that's it? That's all she's got? I'm like, yep, that's it. And I thought, how beautiful is that? I've told my wife this. My goal when I die, if I get a heads up like Peter did, or I just know that I'm, you know, I'll, I would love for my kids just to get a box. Here you go. Here's what you're getting. Maybe a couple letters inside. Again, keeping that eternal perspective. And it's not bad to have things. It's not bad to have a nice house. not bad to have granite countertops. not bad to whatever, you know, you want a boat? Buy a boat. I don't care. Just invite me on your boat. <laughs> things aren't bad in themselves. It's when they become the focus of our lives. So he goes on to ask this question. Since everything will be destroyed, okay, warning, there's going to be destroyed. What kind of people ought you to be? What do you think? Frugal. Frugal. No one has any idea. Generous. That's a good one. They didn't say that at nine. What? Don't be consumed by those things. Be content. Hmm. What kind of people, God, are you calling us to be? Peter says this. You ought to live holy and godly lives. Isn't that tough? Anybody else find it tough to live a holy and godly life? Yeah, but I want it to be about me. I want it to be about my shoe collection. I want it to be about the clothes in my closet. I want to be able to, you know, be able to check off certain vacation places before I leave this earth. Holy and godly lives. Man, that's tough work, isn't it? How do we live holy and godly lives? Anybody have any ideas? What the Holy Spirit would be propelling us to do? And as we're living these goal, uh, godly and holy lives that we look forward to the day of God coming. And oh, by the way, if you didn't get it the first three times he says it, there's going to be destruction. The heavens are going to be gone by fire and the elements are going to melt in the heat. Don't you love how he just keeps repeating it over and over again? But according to his promise, oh, this is the best part. We are waiting for a new heaven and new earth in which righteousness Oh man, you're going to get a new house. And you're going to get more time on the golf course in heaven. But even more than that, there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. Some of you are dealing with physical ailments. You're going to get a new glorified body. And all of that is going to go away. You're not going to have to worry about money anymore. Isn't that kind of nice? You won't have to obsess about the stock market or your portfolio or your cryptocurrency. 
Those of you with food allergies, you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> no more tears. You'll never cry another tear. You will never attend another funeral. You will be in perfect peace with the God of the universe. And you will have everything that you need. That's what we hope for. That's what we wait for. That's what we live for. That's what we are going to die for. Eternity. Some of you might remember when Jesus put it this way. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. Because as we wait, beloved, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and to be at peace. You know what I'm looking forward to? That there won't be any more anger. People are so angry today. You ever been in the back seat of someone that's angry when they're driving down the road? You ever been in the grocery line and you can sense the tension in those around you? Nobody likes to wait anymore. Everybody's in a hurry and everybody's more important than the next person. That's why we drive the way we do. It's why we treat waitresses and waiters the way that we do. It's why we live the way that we do. Can I give you another one that I'm so looking forward to? I can't wait until there's no more complaining. People complain about everything. Literally, some of us, we complain about the dumbest things. So we're going to bring an African choir in here. We're going to show you pictures of their houses. And guess what? I hope that it subsides maybe some of the complaining that we do in our lives. We are so blessed. This morning I was talking to one of our members after the, after the 9 o'clock service, and I loved his perspective because I was like, so how are you doing? And he said, Pastor Tim, I have to be honest with you. And that's usually code for here it comes. <laughs> I was tensed up. And he said these words. He said, if I was any more blessed, I would have to be two people. I was like, man, so what's your secret? What's your secret? It's Jesus. It's living at peace because you know that God's still on his throne and Jesus sits next to the Father and he's still the one that calls the shots. He's still the one orchestrating the events of human life. He's the one that we put our faith and hope and our trust in. Not in anything that we can do. It's in him. And when we get this right, we get to live at peace. It's kind of awesome, isn't it? That's why you come to church. That's why you should be in church every single week. And let's be honest, some people have kind of faded from this. There's some people, look around, you know who they are. You still haven't seen them return to church. Some of you that are watching, you know, unless you're caring for somebody that's elderly, you should be in church. 
Because it's not just the message and hearing whatever is preached from here. It's being in the community of saints. It's being around other believers and having them pour into you. And as we do that, as we bear each other's burdens, as we bear each other's celebrations as well, we get to speak truth into each other's lives and pray for one another and lock arms and go through all the challenges that life throws at us together so that the devil and all his stupid schemes doesn't take somebody away from the flock here at Shepherd's Gate. That's why we're together. So he says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. And this is really cool, because he says, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. And so Paul is another New Testament writer. He's the one that wrote even more letters to churches than Peter did. And if you study Paul and Peter, they didn't always get along. They weren't always on the same page. And actually, there was a point when Paul actually had to rebuke Peter. And Peter, thanks be to God, humbled himself. And so as he's writing this final letter, he's saying to the church, you can also trust the writings of Paul. You can trust what it is that he has written to the churches, that it is also inspired from God because Paul is an apostle. Now look at what he goes on to say. There's some things in them that are hard to understand. Don't you just love that? My writings are easy. What Paul wrote sometimes gets a little difficult. But because there may be a little bit more difficult, which the things that Paul wrote about are oftentimes the things that people argue about when it comes to doctrine and things, it says what happens is the ignorant and unstable twist their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Same thing we talked about last week, taking scripture out of context. I I don't know why, I just love that Peter validates Paul. And he validates the writings and he validates the Bible that you have in your hands. And if you don't have one, again, take one home with you today. Paul said it this way, our citizenship is actually in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. Think of living in that light or in that view. That your citizenship before God comes first and foremost more than any citizenship that you could have on this planet. Let me give you one more from the Old Testament since he keeps saying to go back to the Old Testament. There's one found in Ecclesiastes, and this is a really, really intelligent man named Solomon. In fact, he was the wisest and richest man on the planet. He had everything that you could possibly want. I mean, this guy made Elon Musk look homeless, okay? (laughs) This guy had everything, billions, trillions, everything that the sun rose and set its Uh, cast on he had and this is what he says when he gets to the end of his life because he wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life he says the day of death is better than the day of birth no one's saying amen (laughs) this is actually true folks for the life of the believer it is better to be with Jesus than to be on this earth do you know that Do you know why you're having such a hard time this morning? Because we don't want to let go of this place. It's so hard to keep that eternal perspective. You might remember a few weeks ago there was kind of a a funeral that took place. And it was kind of a big deal. And some of you may have tuned into it. Any of you watched this funeral? Queen Elizabeth, they estimate that over 4 billion people 
turn in to watch this funeral? Think of that for a moment. Over half our planet, that every second and every detail of this funeral was planned out. And we got to see her legacy. We got to learn just the impact that she had made over so many years. And this is what I was thinking about as I was watching part of this funeral, is that when we do funerals here at Shepherd's Gate, and how when guests come in and they've never been here before, we hear the same thing over and over and over and over again. Wow, that was a beautiful service. Wow, that was really meaningful. Wow, you guys really went the extra step to make that just so memorable for that family. And I just love that we're part of a church community that doesn't just celebrate birth. Yes, we love when babies are born and there was a baptism this morning at the 9 a.m. service. And oh, by the way, we've done seven baptisms in the month of October, folks. God is at work in this place. But I love it when we do funerals as well. I love it when we can honor the saint that God has called home. In fact, he says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What does it look like to prepare for our funerals? What are we handing down to the next generation? How does that impact what we do with our lives every day? Almost done. One more beloved. Knowing this beforehand, take care, care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Again, stand on the word of God. Trust the scriptures. Know who you are in Christ and do not be led astray by false prophets or the wind or anything else that might try to come against you. And finally, he says this, grow. Don't just sit idle. Don't just wait. No, you grow in the grace and you grow in the knowledge, which is his theme throughout this book, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You open your Bible, you read the scriptures, you come to church, you be part of a small group, you serve you do all of these things. You continue to grow closer to God each and every day until your time comes and he calls you home. Because to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Isn't that cool? We just got through a whole book of the Bible. Can we give God praise this morning?